Astronomy Cast, episode 648, Summer Observing. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. I've been a space astronomy journalist for over 20 years. With me, as always, is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I, I am doing well, I think. It, it feels dangerous to say that phrase right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm currently contemplating, is there going to be camping this summer? Nice. To go look at the awesome things we're going to discuss in this episode. Because prepping for this episode made me want to go camping. Yes. Yeah, I have definitely been getting the itch to get out and do some hiking and some and some camping. There's a bunch of mountains I want to climb. The snowpack has been just ludicrous, though. So Ugh. it's possible that we can't do any high-altitude hiking this summer because there's still just too much snow up on the mountain. People are still skiing in June up oh, on wow. the mountain right now. It's crazy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the way it used to be when we were kids. Well, maybe not. Our mountains pretty can get a lot of snow, but um, but not all the way through till the summer. Like, this is ludicrous. Yeah. Summer is officially astronomically here. And for the folks in the northern hemisphere, that means it's a perfect time to head outside and see what's happening in the sky. Today, we'll give you a good list of things to keep an eye out for with or without a telescope. All right, people in the Southern Hemisphere, did you notice I made that disclaimer? We understand that you exist, we appreciate you, but it's going to be cold for you. And so you may want to stay inside. Or go on vacation up here. Or go on vacation to the north, yeah, and maybe see a galaxy. They're neat. Uh, that was a subtle dig at the fact <laughs> they have no galaxies in their sky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but anyway, uh, but they have the large, large and uh, small Magellanic clouds, and that they are amazing. So, so they, they make up for it. All right, Pamela, um, let's talk about this. So, uh, man, I, I, do we do this every year? Almost. We often Almost. do this. We also, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will talk about some interesting things to see in the in the sky over the summer. So, so let's talk about some things that are transitory first, and then we'll talk about some old old mainstays. And I think the thing that we should talk about that is that is not common is the rare alignment of the planets in the morning sky, which is happening right now, right, right now. now. And yeah. and it's amazing because they even ordered themselves in order. So like yeah, from the yeah. horizon up, right yeah. right before sunrise, look to to the east, and it goes Mercury, Venus. We're standing on the Earth. Yeah, can't yeah. See look it. down at your feet Mars, for a second, then back up. Right, yeah. Mars, yeah. Jupiter. It's 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 amazing. They are all there, yeah. in yeah. a line, all in a row, in order. Yeah. Yeah. And this is rare. Like this isn't yeah. going to happen again for several decades. And yes. so if, if you see a bunch of planets in the sky and you aren't sure which ones are which now you can go outside and they're all in a row. And so yes. you can, you can get to know them for how they look because like, you know, when you see Jupiter, it's obviously different and bright and Venus is ludicrously bright, but sometimes it's hard to know. Like, is that like, is that Saturn or is that a star? Right. And and now you can tell and, and learn them. Now, can you see Mercury from your house? If I go on the roof, otherwise it's lost to the trees. But we luckily have a hatch inside of our house to get onto the roof. And I may have done that a few times, mostly to find comets because 
I have to admit right. it scares the bejesus out of me to go onto the roof. But a right. comet can be worth it. Yes, yeah, worth the risk. Um, so then, yeah, no, I can't see Mercury. I've got I've got mountains to the west of me and mountains to the east of me, and so there's I would have to go out to the west coast and then look. I guess in the you know when it's in the in the western sky. Yeah, when it's an evening object. It. Yeah, yeah, because then the only you know there's nothing between me and Japan at that point. But <laughs> from from the e- from the the east coast of the island where I live, yeah, it's I've got the mountain on one side and then I've got the the coastal mountain range on the other side, and so it's really hard to see that that low down yeah. to the horizon is what you need. So then, like, what's the best way to take advantage of seeing all of these planets one after the other? Sadly, the best way to do it is to switch yourself over to being on a night schedule or get up at midnight, let yourself get thoroughly dark adapted and set up a telescope at least a couple of inches in size, preferably more like a four inch, Mm -hmm. and just check them out one at a time and notice things like the inner planets are crescents, the outer planets aren't necessarily full disks. And what we're seeing is the planets actually have phases that we can see as we look at them traveling around the sun. Now, Mars is entering its closer period, isn't it? Yes. Like we're entering one of the Mars windows. And so that's a good, really good time to, to look at Mars. And, and then, of course, Saturn and Jupiter, again, look amazing in a small telescope. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you can point them out with your eyes and go, yep, I'm looking at Mars. That's amazing. But to really see the polar ice caps, to see the rings of Saturn, to see the bands across the, the planet on Jupiter, to see the moons, you really want that, that small telescope. And don't, and don't get fancy about it. Like, no. don't get sucked in to the latest $4,000 cyber telescope or the go-to telescope. Just a straight up, like a four-inch Dobsonian, a yeah. six-inch Dobsonian. With a four-inch Dob, you want a small table so that you're not, like, awkwardly lying on the ground. Yeah. A four-inch yeah. four Dob on a little tiny folding table will make you happy. Yeah, and a six-inch Dob will do everything you want. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. what's what's cool about this is you look now and then over time you can see the planets diverge in their locations across the sky. And if you keep watching the different worlds, you'll see the phases of Venus change. You'll see Mars actually appear a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger as it gets closer and closer to being straight overhead at midnight. And yeah. It's it's in seeing things change that it really becomes possible to fall in love with the mechanics of our solar system as well as just the stunning views. Yeah. All right. I don't think there's any other big events, any any like non-standard weird events that are happening over the course of the summer. Can you well, think of anything else? So, so Mercury is doing its best to try and get itself noticed. So on August 27th, it is going to be at its greatest elongation to hmm. the east. This means it will be as far as it gets away from the sun in the pre-sunrise sky. Um, 
And July 16th, which is going to be the Saturday after our last episode of the season, pretty much, I... It is going to be directly behind the sun from us, which means we absolutely cannot see it. And it's just cool to watch it as it comes out from behind the sun. And it goes from being as full as it gets, snuggled as close to the sun as it gets, to becoming more and more crescent as it goes towards those elongation phases and then comes around so that we can no longer see it lit up when it's at the inferior conjunction. So watch it from late July through to September, and you'll be able to see Mercury go through all of its phases. So summertime for me often means that it's International Space Station observing season. Yes. And so what's sort of – because I'm so far north – during the summertime, the the sunlight gets above the, I guess, the horizon and can hit the International Space Station for its entire journey across the sky. It you know if if it if it starts its journey just after twilight, and you'll often sometimes get two passes and sometimes even three passes. Well, that third pass now you're like ninety minutes later, now you're three mm-hmm. hours later, and so you you don't get a full complete pass, but. But we can get three passes of the International Space Station visible from from where I am. And it's just great. I mean, you know, you go to a place like Heavens Above, or there's other places that will let you estimate the time when the space station is going to head right overhead. And then you head outside. You know, you tell, you know, you're having your friends over for some cocktails. And you're like, hey, everybody, let's go outside for a second. And you yeah. walk outside. And then, boom, there's the space station flying overhead. It's warm outside, you're pointing in the sky, and you know people are, are learning. They're amazed at this magic trick that you've just done to show them the International Space Station. I love doing that. Um, and in fact, now with the Chinese station, with, Tim, with the Tianwen, uh, you know, there are other fainter objects that you can also find as well. Same thing. Use a site like Heavens Above. You can find the Hubble Space Telescope. When it's flying above, you can find the X thirty seven B. That one yes. amuses me to no end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the secret military space shuttle. You can you can find it, um, and then of course there will be Starlink launches and yes, and the trains associated with them. Yeah. Yeah, you can watch the train as the satellites are moving past and and in this quite, you know, very noticeable train of dots that you can only see them for a day or so and then they're too high altitude and then they're invisible again. So, highly recommend that you do that. So, what what about what about you? Well, so I'm trying to figure out just go look up before the sky is swarming more than it is and enjoy the satellites that we have now before you become so overwhelmed with them later that you want to curse at them. Yeah, we're still in the in the satellites are cool phase, aren't we? Yeah, and and right now we have July 18th through August 21st is going to be this wide swath of time when you can see the Delta Aquarii meteors and and this large swath of time is because it's from a comet that that orbits every 5.3 years and its orbit is is moving enough that there's a large area of sky that it has left junk in over time. So with that particular uh, meteor shower, we can see about 
20 meteors an hour, and sometimes you can see about 20 satellites an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's super weird to be out there going, is that a meet? No, that's a satellite. Is that a, no, that's a satellite. And, and so <laughs> go out and just see what there is to see and know that it's going to get harder and harder to spot the meteors and the swarming satellites over time. Maybe, maybe, unless they, I mean, it's going to be definitely if you're, if you're running a big observatory, but so far all of the Starlinks are, they turn invisible to the unaided eye, even with perfectly dark skies. But yeah. who knows with the next generation, the Starlink 2.0s, which are going to be a lot bigger. We'll see well, how bright they are. Well, and it's not just the Starlinks. It's, it's, there's so many different communication satellites, weather satellites, mm-hmm. earth imaging satellites, and, and with thousands of satellites going up per year, even if the majority of those are Starlinks, there's still going to be a whole bunch of other stuff going up. Now, luckily, a lot of these meteors can be seen in the middle of the night. And and with, with the Delta Aquarius, we get a certain amount of new moon privilege with that new moon on July 28th, so that it's mm. not wiping out the faintest meteors. Unfortunately, the Perseids this year, which are normally such an amazing go out, watch them after midnight when most of the satellites can't be seen kind of meteor shower, they kind of have, well, the sturgeon moon. Right. Yeah, they're going to have a full moon. They're one day after the full moon. And so you're going to have that, that moon glaring all night, which, like, you think it's not going to be that bad, but it's that bad. Like, yeah. you go out there and there's the full moon and you're trying to see meteors and you would have seen a pile of them, but all you see is just the full moon and it kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, normally, like, if it's like a three-quarter moon, quarter moon, half moon, you do it. deal, but, but... Yeah. Full not- moon? Mm, yeah, skip it. Not only is it a full moon, it's our, our moon changes distance ever so slightly um, throughout its orbit. So there are times when the full moon is bigger, is brighter by a couple of percent. It's, it's enough that you can see it in photographs. It's not enough that you, can get, you should get super excited about a super moon. But of course, the August 11th full moon that is interrupting the Perseids yeah. is one of those bigger and brighter. Yeah, like they, they increase brightness by about like 30%. So so it is noticeable and it, it just makes it that much worse. So yeah, yeah. I like, and you know, because like normally we always recommend like, okay, it's the Perseid meteor shower, gather your friends together, do some no. planning to find out where your nice dark sky location is, take some bug spray, take some chairs, take some hot chocolate, make an adventure out of it and you will have a story to tell your family um, for years to come. And yeah. this year, <laughs> just don't. No, nope, yeah. skip it. Yeah. So I, I'm probably going to try and go camping that week between new moon and full moon when we'll be yep. getting the very first few Perseids and we'll still be getting the Delta Aquarius. But yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Skip is... it. Skip it. Like, 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 by all means, if you've got like a nice place, you can stand outside and have a good view to the sky and you've got rel- relatively dark skies and you're okay to put up with the moon, then give it a shot and you'll see some. But yeah, it's not, it's not ideal. So I've got a, something interesting that I want people to keep an eye out for, mm-hmm. and that is auroras. The sun is yes. moving towards its solar maximum. And in fact, just the day that we're recording, or a day before this, a giant coronal mass ejection blasted directly at the Earth, increased auroral activities. People have reported seeing auroras. So you don't know when and where it's going to happen, but as long as you just keep track of the space weather, there must be an occasional aurora event over this this summer and it's you know they happen they can happen any time of the year and they're better in the winter because winter yeah. is longer but still you've got a shot to see them in the summertime and don't worry if you're too far south like uh you know the the sun has got so much activity the solar storms can be so strong that you can see i would say auroras down to northern california south dakota the best aurora I ever saw were in August in New Hampshire during the last solar maximum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So take a like take a line, run it through the United States, through, like through the middle of the United States. And if you're north of that line, I would say give it a shot. When you see like a strong aurora alert, go outside and you know pre-plan in advance a place you can go that's to the north of where you are that has a nice view to the horizon. Like if you can live, go to a lake or something, be able to see to the north. So you stay on the southern edge of the lake, look to the north from the beach. And even for the the folks in the southern hemisphere, you can see auroras too. So now it's just everything's the opposite. So look to the, you know, go to a place that you can see to the south. Yeah. Look to the south. And be able to look to the south. And, and hopefully you'll be able to see something. So, and I can't tell you when, um, you just have to keep track of the space weather, NOAA, N-O-A-A. But if you do search for like space weather on Google, you can mm-hmm. find what the current space weather activities are. There's apps. I apologize. I don't have an app that I like the best right now. No, I, I don't either you know, for I, Aurora. I, I find they're, they're kind of ad filled and, and you can't rely on them. So I tend to just go to, to Noah's website and search from there. So N-O-A-A, do a search for that space weather. You should be able to find out when events are happening. And then, you know, I always say you miss a hundred percent of the auroras that you don't try to see. Yeah. Yeah. You never know just when you're going to get lucky. And even though the forecast says you have to be far more North, they'll show up in Maryland. They like yep, to travel. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about the things to observe in the summer sky that are annual crowd pleasers, just not during the full moon. So I I think that summer triangle with the great Milky Way sprawling across it as Cygnus the Swan flies along, it's it's a wonderful time of year to just get to know the nebulae, the star-forming regions, open clusters. I'm a December kind of person, but the summer sky is is when you get to see our own galaxy. It's in the winter that you can start to escape to the rest of the universe, but the summer belongs to the disk. It belongs to yeah. all that dust and gas that 
is so annoying to extragalactic astronomers and <laughs> those of us interested in the stuff in the outer halo. But if you want to see stars forming and everything else, now's the time to look. And if you've still got that Dobsonian telescope that you bought for the planets, then you can definitely put it to work. If you see some fuzzy bit in the sky, point the telescope, see what you can see. You can get a book and learn some of your constellations. You can see where some of the open clusters are, where some of the globular clusters are. There's a lot to see in the sky, nebulae, um, planetary nebula, all kinds of good stuff. Um, but it's also great to use a pair of binoculars. We talk yes. about this all the time. What, what binoculars do you recommend for this kind of thing? I would say nothing less powerful than 10 by 50s. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a good size for small hands. It gives you a large swath of the sky that you can see. It's a great beginning pair. And that, that is saying it's going to magnify it by a factor of 10. And you have this 50 millimeter aperture yeah. of light that's letting the light in. And and that combination lets you start to see uh, all of the Messier objects as at least being fuzzy points on the sky <laughs> when you're in a dark place. It won't work if yeah. you're not in a dark place, but for a dark place, that gets you the entire Messier catalog as little fuzzy spots. Some better than others. I mean, some are yeah. really impressive in a pair of binoculars. Yes. One of my favorite objects for this time of year, uh, late at night going into the early morning, and it will get earlier and earlier as the summer progresses, there's the double cluster, which Mm -hmm. is off the constellation Cassiopeia. It is uh, two different clusters that are side by side and form a double puffball. And it looks kind of like you might imagine one of those cartoon beehives looking. Um, it's, it's just cool. Um, there's so many different things to explore. And for me, I think my favorite memories are before I actually knew how to consistently find stuff from when I would just go outside with binoculars in the summer and so much bug spray, so much bug spray Hmm. and just lay out in a hammock or on a sleeping bag on asphalt, not directly on the grass because ticks people, they're a problem, um, and just look around and then try and figure out what it was I had just found. So doing things backwards, exploring, seeing what's cool, and then figuring out what it was I had found. Yeah, I had the exact same experience where I would, you take binoculars or my small telescope, I would see something in the sky that looked like a fuzzy bit. And sometimes you would, you would see it out of your peripheral vision and then you'd look, you know, you'd figure out exactly where it was. And then you would point your telescope at that fuzzy bit. And what do you know? It's something, it's a, an open cluster. It's a galaxy. It's kind of a great way to go. You know, if it's, if there's a fuzzy bit in the sky, it's a thing. Um, I've got a pair of the, the 15 by 75s from yes. Celestron. And they're pre- pretty beefy, but we use them all the time, both for the night sky, but also for like birds, uh, wildlife here. Um, it, they're great. So I do recommend them. But anything bigger than that, you have to have a tripod. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can buy like a 25 by 100, but they're monsters. Yeah, I have monsters. a pair of those as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not the one you grab because they're just so 
tough. Yeah. Anything else that you recommend people take a look at this summer? So we haven't brought up Saturn and Saturn's actually going to be at opposition on August 14th. And what is really cool is to make a point of looking at Saturn every opposition and seeing how over time we can watch the rings change their tilt. So every year opposition is going to appear a slightly different point in the year. And every year those rings are going to appear slightly different as it orbits and we get to align with it at a different point in its orbit. And with opposition at August 14th, that means it will be straight overhead then, but we'll get to enjoy it for pretty much the entire summer. So if you've never seen Saturn through a telescope, it is one of those objects that you look at and most people's initial reaction is, is that real? That can't be real. Yeah. Yeah. And it's totally real. It is totally real. So great. All right. Well, and don't forget about the moon. Moon is, moon's going to do is regular moon things. So if you, again, are outside, definitely check out the moon and take note of how it changes over the month. Take a look at it when you see that first crescent and then take a look when it's a nice, like when you see half of the moon and then see how terrible it looks when it's a full moon. <laughs> so, so June um, 28th is that new moon and then sadly August 11th, destroying the Perseids is that full moon. Go yeah. out and watch it. Sounds so good. All right. Well, thank you, Pamela. I hope everyone takes some of our advice and let us know what you saw this summer. Sounds awesome, Fraser. Thank you. And thank you to all the people out there in our audience who make this show possible with your generous contributions through our Patreon. We know that in these times of rising everything prices, it's hard to find the extra to give. And to those of you who can, thank you. This week, I would like to thank Smensky, Peter, John Drake, Dean, Sean Freema, Blixa the Cat, Tim Garish, John Useth, Corinne Dimtruck, Roland Vomerdam, Benjamin Davies, Arctic Fox, Claudia Mastriani, Brian Kilby, Nalia, uh, Lou Zealand, Jordan Turner, Lee Harborn, Jason Cardukas, Olivia Brianne Zank, Ron Thorson, Papa1062, Robert Hundy, Kim Barron, Vitali, Paul Esposita, Arthur Latz Hall, Frank Stewart, Ganesh Swarminathon, Bob Zatsky, The Air Major, Ruben McCarthy, Time Lord Iroh, Jeff McDonald, and Iggy Hammock. Thank you all so much. You make what we do possible. Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Astronomy Cast is a joint product of Universe Today and the Planetary Science Institute. Astronomy Cast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license. So love it, share it, and remix it. But please credit it to our hosts, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can get more information on today's show topic on our website, astronomycast.com. This episode was brought to you thanks to our generous patrons on Patreon. 
If you want to help keep this show going, please consider joining our community at patreon.com slash astronomycast. Not only do you help us pay our producers a fair wage, you will also get special access to content right in your inbox and invites to online events. We are so grateful to all of you who have joined our Patreon community already. Anyways, keep looking up. This has been Astronomy Cast. <laughs>